Good morning, church. Hope uh, hope you guys are doing good this morning. Sorry I can't be here with you guys uh, today. Uh, those who don't know me, my name is Kevin Shanahan, and I'm in the Coast Guard and coming up on a deployment, so just have a little bit of restrictions on, on where I can and can't go uh, just to keep our, our crew safe as we go go out on a boat and uh, interact with, with people out in the bearing. Um, but I'm excited to be able to, uh, to bring this message to you today. And uh, just out in the uh, the forest, kind of behind our our house, it's kind of cool. I was, I was walking out here. There's a little little bunny on the edge of the uh, the grass. Just kind of watched uh, me uh, walk up, and just reminded me of just just this awesome place that that we get to live in. Um, just the beauty of nature around us. And it reminds me of what what Matt Shibler was talking about last week in his sermon on things that are. And just our relationship with Christ and how God has has reached out to us in every facet of life, whether that's from from nature, from society, from the Bible, the Jesus, everything is what God does. It's just pulling us to a knowledge of Him and a desire to have a relationship with Him. Now, our part in that relationship is pretty small. If you remember on Matt's diagram, really big length of the chart was was God's action on it and then there's just a teeny little portion of us that's that's our our belief in him our making that commitment our faith in Jesus Christ and it's a small little action but but where do we go from there we've started this relationship with with Christ it it's got to lead somewhere right we got to there's something that should come out of this relationship maybe that's what we're going to look at today and uh, the first place we're going we're gonna to look on this is you know, what do we do with our relationship once we've made our, uh, recognize that Jesus is the only path to salvation, put our faith in him. In Matthew 22:37, Jesus is responding to some questions from some lawmakers, Pharisees at the time. What's the greatest command? And he says, it's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So this relationship we have with Christ, it starts with love. This internal, external manifestation of love. Our love for God, our love for others. And there's a multitude of ways that we can show show love. And one of the ways we're going to focus on and how we show love, worship God, is through Another passage that uh, Matthew quotes Jesus saying, just a little bit later in his book, that we call the Great Commission. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said to this, he's talking to his disciples right as he uh, ascends up into heaven. Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you until the end of the age. Let's take a little bit deeper look in this passage. Jesus starts off with talking about his authority. He is not just man. He is not just someone who came to this world, taught good news, said he would do something, and that's it. God said he would do something, and he did it. He has all authority, all power, heaven and on earth. He said he would die and raise three days later, and he did just exactly that. 
so we can be confident when he says that he's going to save us, that he's going to do that. He also, we can have confidence when he tells us to go do something, he's going to be with us. The rest of the Great Commission, he goes on and gives us kind of four directions, four commandments, if you will, to, to go out, things to do, and then finishes that up with a promise. First, he tells us to go. Okay, this isn't a, our relationship with Christ isn't a, you know, a sedentary, um, stay in one spot. It's a relationship. It's that relationship is going to manifest itself into actions. Those actions don't save us. Uh, our, our, we are saved through our faith. Um, but that faith is going to be manifested in actions. And that action is going, making disciples. When people have committed to Christ, and they want to let the public know, people know, that's where baptism is, it's that public declaration of a commitment to Christ. But there's a continued learning, that teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And he closes that up with, through all that, I'm going to be there with you. So we can go, make disciples, and teach. Two other things I want to point out with this is, Jesus doesn't say, just pastors, just missionaries, he tells us all to go. This is a mission that we are all commanded to do, a commission we are all sent on to complete. doesn't matter what, what gift we've been given, our spiritual gift, our natural gift, we all have a part in the making of disciples. Now that can be a, can be a daunting task. I know it can... Uh, for me, it can, can seem a little scary, seem a little overwhelming, beyond my control. Um, I can be a little timid. Relationships aren't my strong suit. Going out and, and reaching out to new people and building those relationships, that takes work for me. Um, not something that I naturally have that gift. But I know God's going to be with me. And through practice, I can get better at it. Um, but I'm going to have to rely rely on Him. making a disciple that seemed daunting, but I've got some good news there. I can't make the gospel grow in someone. I can't make um, someone be saved. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You know what? That's a great relief because I could never make it happen. There's nothing I could say or do that without the Holy Spirit, someone would come to a right relationship with God. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a huge weight off of my shoulders. That That's God's work. But he's going to use me in the process. I can be his tool. Uh, now, Jesus and a lot of his, his preaching and Paul and his books and a lot of the Bible, they live in an agricultural society. So there's a lot of farming references, and I think they're awesome. I've never been a farmer, but I like planting, so I'm going to use some of those as well. So Jesus talks about Go out and share the gospel. Now, there's some other things we can do to, to help that grow. We can uh, till the soil, prepare the soil to accept the seed. We can water it. We can keep weeds and other things from growing in, choking it out, or things that are preventing the sun from reaching the that seed. But for that seed to grow, that's going to be God's God's work. But we can help in that process. Um, going back, so we've been commanded to go and make disciples. 
we've looked at, you know, kind of a little bit of that process, but I think first we should look at what is, what is a disciple? What is it that we are trying to um, be as tools for God to finish his mission, to build his kingdom? A lot of people, I think, will say a disciple is a, a follower, maybe a student, it can be a groupie, you know, someone that is just, they want to be around this person. You know, uh, give you an example, when I was younger, upper elementary school, lower middle school, both my parents were on high school staff at our church, and my bro- older brothers were in high school. So needless to say, there's a lot of events that uh, I got to go and hang out with the high schoolers, which I thought was pretty cool as a, as a younger boy. And there was a group of uh, high school men that I got to hang out with, and they were good enough to let me tag along with them on some of the uh, different things we would do. Um, and you could say I was a follower of these young men, but I wasn't a disciple. I think, I think that's something, something more there. And uh, to get into some examples of this, all you got to do is to read uh, the Gospels and Acts. And, you know, a really good example of this is looking at the life of Paul. He grew up, he knew the Torah, the law. He knew what the, what we call the Old Testament, what it said. He had studied that. But he was against God, against Jesus, and pursuing and persecuting the early church. But God met him on the road to Damascus, and he made a commitment to follow Christ. He made a decision to believe in Christ. And from there, almost immediately, he was preaching the gospel in the synagogues. But he had, he had help along the way. Obviously, God is working through all this. But he had mentors in Ananias and um, Barnabas. There's people that were seeking to put their love and effort into Paul so that he could share that with others. He took time to develop in Arabia and in Tarsus to build up churches, to go out on missionary journeys, and also to pour his life into other men and women to grow the church, whether that's from Timothy, Titus, Mark. As you're reading Paul's books, he's always mentioning people at the beginning, at the end, or sometimes in the middle, by name. He had relationships with these people. He knew these people by name, and he was bringing them up, training them up to go out and make other disciples. You can also look at Jesus, probably the, the perfect disciple maker. And you can look at some of the things that he did throughout the Gospels, throughout the Bible. God has called, he's taught, and he sent people out. And uh, a couple of books I've uh, read recently, they, they talk about this, this formula that, that Jesus used um, through his ministry of working with bigger groups down to medium-sized groups to the 12 to the 3, um, just different levels that he worked with them through all those he he had a little formula uh, it kind of goes like goes like this it says i'll do it you watch we talk next time i'll do it you help then we'll talk next you do it i'll help you and we'll talk then you do it i'll watch and we can talk and the last step you do it and someone else watches that that process that cycle of building someone up so they can build someone else up. In the book, Discipleship by Jen Putnam, and then Disciple Making is by David Early and Rod Dempsey, they work to kind of um, formulate some of the characteristics of what a disciple is. And, uh, 
that disciple, you know, it starts with following Christ. Take some sacrifice on our part to give up what we want to do and living for ourselves and living for God. But we let God change our lives. He transforms us into a disciple that's committed to Christ. Jim Putnam puts it this way, a, a disciple is someone who's decided in their head to let God change their heart that's manifested out through their hands. So there's that, that head to heart to hands, that acceptance, that belief and transformation in going and working and developing that in someone else. David Early and Rod Dempsey kind of use three different phases to kind of help us identify where someone is in their walk with Christ. And that's, those phases are the declaration, a development, and a deployment. You could kind of also categorize these phases as a believer, a disciple, and a disciple maker. Not that there's different phases of Christianity or being a Christian. It's just ways to help us identify where we are in our walk with Christ and our relationship with God. We're going to take a look at these these phases, these uh, different areas we can be in in our walk with with Christ. And it's not black and white. We're all in, in different spots, but we're all seeking to have a better, closer relationship with Christ. But why do we need to understand where someone is in their walk with Christ? Why do we need to know what someone believes, where they're at, what they're struggling with, and how, how do we get to that point? In, in Matthew 4.19, Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew, and he tells them, Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fisher of men. Look in there. He doesn't say, Hey, follow me. And, you know, you might become fishermen, follow me, and you could become fishermen, follow me, and you might, you can make yourself fishermen. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishermen. God is going to do a work in us. And that's encouraging to me, because I know I can't do this all on my own. Also, using this fishing uh, we're talking about here, she's an analogy here. If I want to go out and reach people... I'm fishing for men. I need to understand them, just like if I'm going fishing. If I want to go catch halibut, can't catch any if I go to the river. Got to understand what your target audience is. Got to understand where they're going to be located. Also, type of gear and then how to use that you know it's going to take some take some training to be effective uh, but that doesn't mean you can't start right away uh, you might be lucky and there might be that fish just on the surface just ready to be caught someone who's got a close knowledge of, of christ and they're just waiting for someone to come along and talk to them um, or someone's already accepted christ and they're just they need and they know they want someone to help bring them along and guide them to better understand the Bible, better understand what it means to be a Christian. Or that person that they're, they're looking for a new way to serve, and they just need someone to reach out to them. So we've got to have our eyes open and understand where, where other people are at. Now, hopefully I can get a, uh, a chart up on the screen here. And then instead of using three you know, kind of different stages, they use five to talk about 
different people's relation or their their stages in their relationship with Christ. Um, and they're just they're they're very broad, they're very general, but it can help us identify where people are in their walk with Christ and how we can reach out to them to better serve them. But also looking at ourselves, it can help us identify where we are with our walk with Christ and how we can reach out to others to help us, to help challenge us, help us um, be accountable to what we um, are looking for and what we are striving, how we're striving to serve God. So this chart in general, um, it's it's a process. As you notice it's a it's a circle, a way we can can develop up. But sometimes we backtrack. Sometimes we'll stay in a certain phase for years um, as we go through different struggles or um, just a lack of effort uh, and commitment on our part. The length of your relationship with with Christ is interdependent from these phases. You'll have Christians that have been um, saved for decades, but they're still acting like someone who maybe just received Christ. And then you'll have people that have just received Christ, and they're acting like someone who has been saved for years. You know, we all develop our relationships differently. But the focus of this chart is just the development and deployment of God's body. But first, you'll notice in that first uh, little sliver, you've got dead. So someone who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, they don't have a living relationship with Christ, they are dead. They have a wrong relationship. Now, this chart shows one small little um, square for there, but people who don't know Christ, are on. they're all on a different level. Um, we were all there at one point. We all had a different knowledge of God. And we have to understand what people know of Jesus and any preconceptions they have, uh, misinformation, culture. We have to be able to identify those to be able to talk to um, people and help them understand and to love them. Uh, we got to understand that information. But once someone does make a commitment, uh, they have a relationship with Christ. They are saved. Uh, and then there's no different. There's no levels of Christianity. That's not what this chart is showing. It's just ways that we can identify where we are in our relationship with Christ. So that next little section is called uh, the in infant relationship. Um, Christians in this, this category can be very, very needy, you know, because they need guidance. They need, they have a lack of knowledge just because they don't know. They don't know how we are supposed to love God and love others. And they just need a lot of guidance. Moving on from there, you have kind of that Christian stage, or sorry, the children phase. A lot of their focus is on themselves. What can the church do for me? How can the church support me? How can the church help me in this situation? Moving on from there, you have the young adults. They start to realize that it's not what the church can do for me. It's what I can do for the church. How can I serve? How can I go out and minister to others? And then moving on from there, uh, that parent phase. Not that they are complete in their relationship with Christ. But they're out there building other people up, looking for more ways to uh, disciple others and make more disciples. Kind of going back to our that declaration, development, deployment. Now that we kind of understand maybe some of the characteristics of what someone believes, we can look at how we can build these people, build others up. And really, in, in, in every way, it starts with relationships. 
personal relationships. We have to understand what others are thinking, what they're struggling with, what questions they have. And this all starts with listening. Listen, listen, listen. Um, there's that, that old saying, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth so we could listen twice as much as we talk. You know, people love to talk about themselves. And if you're willing to give the ear to listen, that can be the simple building block that opens up a relationship where someone knows that they can come to you and just talk that you were going to listen without judgment and just hear what they have to say. And maybe they want help with something. Maybe they just want to talk. But just being open and available is probably the biggest uh, thing to being able to, one, share the gospel, and two, help develop someone's relationship with Christ to just to be a tool for God. Other things we can do, you know, hey, asking for ways that you can pray for them. Is there something I can pray for you about? Asking them to come to a small group you attend or come to church, sharing the gospel with them. Just little by little, letting them experience what Christianity is about and showing them that Christians are about loving God and loving others. As, as we look to Christians that are kind of in that development stage, it's you know getting them connected in the church, getting them in with a group a small group, whether that's in church, in a home, or just a couple men or women that, that meet for lunch or for coffee. Just those times that we can have that fellowship with others, especially that close fellowship, uh, is really where we're going to grow the most. And as we're looking into that deployment phase of looking for people that you see that they have potential, and we all have this potential, just looking at people that I think if I expend a little effort in this person's life, it can make a difference in a multitude of lives, in a multitude of Christ's kingdom. We can, we can affect our own, our own lives and others' lives in kind of four different spheres of relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with God's family, that's his church, our relationship with our household family, and our relationship with the world. All these relationships, though, they come at a cost. And people, we have to recognize that people are weighing those costs. We have to be patient with them. Sometimes they're going to be weighing those costs for a long time. Those costs could be uh, personal reasons, family interests. They could be cultural. Uh, the Bible gives us a couple examples of that. If you look in Luke 9, 57 through 62, uh, it says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens, birds have the sky, birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me, Lord, or follow me, Lord. He said, Sorry, let me read that again. Then he said to another, This is Jesus talking, Follow me, Lord, he said, First let me go and bury my father. But he told them, Let the dead bury their own. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those of my family or my house. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow looks back and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, a couple of the, the people in this, um, they, they said, God, I'll, I'll follow you, but, but let me do this first. Let me do this. Let me meet this legal requirement. Let me um, get this task done first. You know, they're weighing the options. 
and sometimes they just haven't they haven't yet balanced that 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 legal option of the time of burying their dead or that you know, relationship saying bye to a family is worth as much as an eternity uh, with Christ. And they're just not there yet. Uh, and we just have to be patient with them and help them understand those costs. Those costs also come in just living as a Christian, as speaking up, um, sharing your life, sharing the gospel. It's a cost that people have to weigh. It's something we have to do. But we have to understand that they can, that can be challenging for some people. We have to help them along with that. If we don't provide that, if we don't provide discipleship to others, um, you can actually already see this in, in today's, today's world. Growth just doesn't happen alone. We were meant to be together. We were meant to be in relationships with people. And if we don't form those, it's going to be a lot harder to grow. Um, as we create relationships, we grow with others. The Bible talks about you know, iron sharpening iron. If you look at today's church, you can see a lot of uh, churches that, that maybe don't have discipleship plans of people kind of just are showing up, maybe not a good depth of knowledge. Um, and that stuff comes with, with challenging those personal relationships. So this discipleship, it's, it's needed. And you can see it in, uh, in Acts, uh, two talks about how the believers met together constantly. If they had a need, they shared what they had to help each other out. Uh, they broke bread together. They met in the temple. They were joyful. And we'll look at that passage a little bit, a little bit more. But speaking of the church, what is the church's role in all this, in this discipleship? Uh, if we read Ephesians 4, 11, 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro from the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceit, full schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is head into Christ, and from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So looking at this, it talks about a couple of the different roles in the church. It talks about the pastor. It talks about the saints, that's, um, those that make up the church, the body of Christ. It talks about how the role of the pastors is to train, train people up to go out. Their job is not to go out and do all the ministry, as we, reached, as we talked about before. Not certain gifts are said to go and make disciples. That's for all of us, to go and make disciples. Uh, and we talked about that formula of I do, you watch, we talk, building up to you do, and someone else is watching. The role of the saints is to do the ministry. Our job as the church is to carry out discipleship. In the body, we have to be healthy. We have to look out for for our other body parts, do what needs to be done to help uh, heal those that are maybe hurting, to help build those up that are weak, 
to make a healthy body that's unified in love. The question is, how do we get there? How do we grow this environment that Jesus did, this discipleship environment? Well, we need leaders that carry out personal discipleship. I tell you, we're all leaders in here. Not that everyone is a pastor and is going to lead a church, but we're all leaders in looking out for others that we can develop, that we can be personal and apply personal discipleship to. Just just look again. We'll look at Acts 2, 42, 47. We'll read that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We're just seeing this this um, constant time together in relationship, in building each other up in the discipleship, starts with relationship. In discipleship, it's not something else to add to our very busy lives. It's just a refocusing of how we relate when we're doing ministry. It's a fundamental shift from informing people to equipping people. So I want to end with a math problem. As Matt started out last week talking about math, I'm going to finish up talking about math. So what we're going to talk about is the power of multiplication. So there's a, there's an old legend that goes along with this too, but I'm just going to talk about it. Um, the checkerboard is just from uh, an exhibit they used to have at the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. So I had this checkerboard, and on square one was one grain, square two was two grain, then four, then eight, 16, 32, 64, 128, so on and so on and so on. When you get far enough on a square, the grains of rice are just overflowing into the other squares. At, at some point, they can't put any more rice on the board to make to continue this math problem throughout the rest of this board. This is doubling. But at the end, it, you know, it asks how much do you think would be on the 64th uh, square, and you press a button and it lights up. I'm going to tell you the number. It's on that 64th square. If you continue to double, starting at 1, 64 times. The number is 9 quadrillion. 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion, 854 million, 755,808. This number is gigantic. To give you an idea of how big this number is, in grains of rice, it would cover the entire uh, subcontinent of India with 50 feet deep of rice. That's a lot of rice, and that's just 64 doublings. So why I bring this up? If, as Christians, if you just started with one Christian, and every year they were able to reach out to two people to bring to Christ, and each year they did the same, and every Christian that came to Christ each year brought two other people, and that doubled and doubled, you would get that 9.2 times 10 to the 18th power in 64 years. 
To give you another size of how big that number is, they estimate that there's only been 108 billion people that have ever lived on the Earth. That number on the 64th square is more than a million times greater than that. To give you another effect of this power of multiplication, right now there's 7.8 billion people on the Earth. If every year we doubled, just starting with one Christian, in 34 years, there would be 8 billion Christians. That's more than are on the earth right now. So just think about that. Just double. Just two, making two, making two, and the effect that that has on the total number. As a close out, just want you to think about a couple things here. God calls us as disciples to be disciple makers. He says, go and make disciples. We're disciples. We're disciple makers. Making disciples is about building relationships. It's about understanding others and what they're going through. Look for those opportunities to build others up. Look for those opportunities to reach out to others for mentorship. I want you to think about two people that this year you could reach out to, share the gospel to. Think about two people that you could reach out to to help build up their relationship with Christ. Think about two people that you could look to that they could help mentor you, hold you accountable, and partner with you as you seek to just grow your relationship with Christ. I'm going to close this in prayer. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for all that you've done for us. I just thank you for this wonderful earth that you've created us for us. We can just see your power and majesty and all the beautiful creation around us. Just thank you for the moral laws that you set up, and we can see your existence through that as well, through the Bible, through your Son. So many examples of just calling out to us. Help us just to realize that and respond. Respond in belief and faith. Respond to your uh, commandment to love, for your commission for us to go out and reach others and love them. Help us to seek out others that we can just share your love with. Help us to seek out others that we can challenge and help develop. Let us seek out others that can do the same in us, Lord. And as we, uh, as we leave this Sunday, help us to just focus on this throughout the week. Let it be in the, the forethought of our minds of how we can better love you and love others. In your name, amen. As you go this week, hope you'll just think about, um, how you can be a, sorry, what's here? Just go out this week. Just ask you to go, love, and make disciples. Have a good week.